I think the food and beverage industry is particularly interesting to design for because, I mean, essentially you're designing for people's basic human, like innate needs, right? Like everybody's got to eat, everybody's got to drink. What's up, branding experts? Arek here at eBay Design, and in this episode, I interview Sinan Imre to talk about working on a beverage packaging design. Hello, Sinan. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've seen some of your work, and uh, it was uh, I really appreciate uh, the the look and feel and the design and the and the packaging uh, design work you've done. Um, can can you give us like a uh, some basic basics of branding for beverage industry? Is it any different uh, than than branding for you know any like other industry? What are the like what 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 are the tips that you can share with us? Sure. Um, yeah, I think the food and beverage industry is particularly interesting to design for because I mean essentially you're designing for people's basic human like innate needs right like everybody's got to eat everybody's got to drink you know and stay hydrated and all of that and i mean i would argue that like if you walk down the street and you kind of just look around at like advertising and um a lot of like promotional stuff food and bev really tends to be very much in your face um I'll, i would argue a lot of or at least the majority of um advertising you see you know on like maybe your daily walk from the subway to your office is going to be food and beverage. Um, so you're really appealing to someone's uh, human innate need to, um, you know, for sustenance and for hydration. Um, and that kind of can be uh, more difficult at times because if this is something that people are going to buy at the very least, um, you know, like if it's even water, uh, if it's something that they're going to buy on their own anyways, then the challenge uh, to you know, sway their opinion and have them buy this thing versus that thing can be um, a little harder. And then on top of that, um, food and beverage is heavily regulated by um, government bodies, the, um, you know, for safety and uh, health and all of those things. And, um, you know, I learned the hard way, let's just say that, uh, um, a lot of those uh, governing bodies can have uh, actually a lot of say in terms of your visual design. Um, there are certain things that have to go on certain parts of your package. There are certain things that you, by law, have to declare, and it can even go down to you know the font size, the typeface you use. Um, so there, there are quite a few limitations that there is just no way of getting around. Um, and so combining that with this, you know, difficulty of trying to appeal to people and to their most basic needs, but still sway their opinion. Um, I, I would say those two factors are probably the, um, the most unique things about designing for food and beverage. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, can you, uh, walk us through, uh, the process of, uh, you know, coming up with, uh, design uh, directions and uh, the first, I guess, would be to discovering the brand. Uh, how, so, how do you do uh, the process of, uh, you know, how to discover the brand and define the brand with the client? How, how do you run a workshop? How is how is it done? Yeah. Um, so, I've actually been lucky enough to work directly with either um, founders or people who were like heavily involved in the sort of birth and the founding of the brand, and so. Um, you know, 
I would say it's difficult to invent something completely new in the food and beverage industry. Like, you know, I, there's probably a, a juice for every fruit out there. There's probably every combination of tastes and stuff like that. So the real difference does come down to that brand story. Um, and I, you know, you, 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 you want to start a project assuming that everybody's brand story is different. Um, and that should really be the only assumption you make. And so the first step is really just kind of talking uh, to whoever is the brand ambassador. Um, you know, a lot of the time, <clears throat> especially with food and beverage, especially if it's a smaller brand, um, yeah. people's stories about why they're doing it tend to be very personal and they tend to be very, very passionate about it. So one, you kind of want to open yourself up to buying into that passion and that story and really kind of adopting it as your, as, as your own as well, or at least allowing yourself to be a part of it. And then, um, and then really kind of interpreting uh, what this person is saying, because ultimately your job is to still look at this story and this brand differently than they're looking at it. Because uh, we're here to visualize it and to articulate it. They're, they're just like kind of creating it and thinking about it uh, day in, day out. So a lot of the time, instead of doing like a questionnaire, you know, a sort of list of boilerplate questions, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I personally and uh, generally in like professional teams as well tend to just kind of have a conversation. Um, <clears throat> I mean, really just like it could be over coffee. Um, it could be at their office, our office, but just kind of talking about why they decided to do this, what difficulties they've encountered, what kind of magic moments they've discovered in their, um, in their journey. And then that way, you know, we can extract what the brand values are, what the value propositions are, instead of asking them like, hey, what are your top three value props? Um, yeah. It's nice that those tend to come out yeah. of the story they're, they're telling you, as opposed to you kind of forcing a client to say like, tell me the top three most important things. Um, yeah, so, so it's more natural way, right? So you're, you're, you're coming, you're coming to empty and you just, you know, and you just ask questions instead of having like a, like a framework or template that you have to follow and, you know, um, and ask them like, you know, like a questionnaire, like you said. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and, you know, having done this for a while, like going into that sort of conversation, you know what you need to get out of it. You know, the things you need, uh, at the end of that conversation to, to basically move on to the next step of the process. Um, so, you know, after having done, after doing this a few times, you kind of know how to steer the conversation in certain ways. But like I said, you know, if, if the person on the other end of that conversation goes off on a tangent, kind of starts talking about another part of the story, you know, starts talking about the end at the beginning and the beginning at the end, that's all yeah. fine. Um, so what are the, so some of the simple, some of the uh, sample questions that you ask your clients? Um, let's say there is a uh, there is a client who wants to do a packaging design, and, and they call you and they say, "Hey, we need a packaging design." How do you approach a new project? Um, I mean, first I would ask why. Like, why why do you need this packaging design? Why did you create this product? Let's say somebody's you know I don't know making like. Uh, this new brand of like lemonade or something. 
I would probably ask like, why lemonades? Why not, um, you know, soda? Why not anything else? Um, there's a lot of whys actually in that conversation. Um, and then, and then you start to find out about how they do it. And then again, you can ask why, like, why do you, great. So like you do, you're making this brand because, you know, growing up, you used to sell lemonade in your you know, neighborhood when you were a kid, you're very passionate about it. And it could also be tactical. It could also be like, I don't know, I found a supplier of lemons and now I have like a million lemons. That's fine too. Um, and then you start to sort of find out about how they do it. Like, hey, we work with local farmers, um, you know, um, the, they're harvested by hand, they're very organic, things like that. And then that way you're now getting a few keywords to start building the brand. It's like, okay, so lemonade, this was this person's childhood passion. So it's got this connection to the past. It's got this personal connection for their own past. And then they're also passionate about, you know, fair trade, um, organic and healthy foods. Um, so really it's just basically that conversation starts with something that'll allow them to start talking. Um, and I find that the question why, why this particular project at this particular time, I think that's a good opener to just kind of get people to start, you know, spilling the beans on their whole story. Uh, okay. So once, once you define the brand, right. Mm -hmm. And you define the, the brand and, and, and the story, and you find a differentiator of what is different about this particular brand and, and what is the brand story. What is the next step? Do you, do you uh, create customer profiles? Uh, what would be the next step after that? I think so. I think that user-based approach is, is a great um, place to move on to and definitely analyzing um, who your, uh, you know, prospective um, users are, your customers are, and um, looking at competitors. And honestly, with food and beverage, that's kind of the easier part because, you know, for example, in a, in a B2B project, you might have to do some digging to really find true competitors to the person you're working with or to the brand. With food and bev, I mean, ideally, you can just go down to your corner bodega or, you know, Whole Foods and just really look at all of the um, all of the beverage packaging that's right in front of you. And everybody's trying to solve the same problem, which is that they have a brand with a unique story and they're trying to tell that story through the packaging and, and the visual design. So yeah. it's one of the advantages of the food and bev industry is that you have this, you know, um, completely open access to all of the other competitors. There's really nothing that's hidden. It's all very, like I said, in your face. And so, um, I know in the past with a, with, with a couple of food and beverage clients, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I, I would go to the deli or to Whole Foods or to Trader Joe's or wherever and just come back with bags full of different, you know, juices or whatever it was that we were designing for. And then we would sit and, you know, not only actually taste them too, but read the brand story, look at the packaging and then, you know, go on their website. Does the story they're telling you there match the, you know, way the packaging makes you feel? Um, are they true to their word? Like, do they say they're all organic and then you read the ingredients and there's like a bunch of additives and stuff. So that kind of competitive analysis is really useful. And especially, uh, because it's easy. I, I always like doing it for food and bev 
And then, um, you know, looking at potential users, it's interesting because in the past 10 years, like one of the ways I've started to do that is just social media. Uh, like on Instagram, who are the kind of people who are posting about, you know, like lemonade, let's just go with that example, who on Twitter is chatting about this like one delicious brand. Um, it might not always be the only people that are going to be your, uh, you know, ultimately your um, customers, but it's a quick and easy way to just kind of look at uh, who out there is, you know, talking about this sort of stuff and buying it and then start connecting, you know, other things that they like to sort of build this persona. Like, oh, this person who likes lemonade also likes yoga and, you know, uh, shops at this one clothing store. Great. Like what kind of cross-referencing can we do here? What kind of overall brand uh, or like lifestyle, lifestyle values does this person kind of live by? Um, so then, you know, kind of having talked to your client, uh, having interpreted and digested their story, and then having done that kind of competitive analysis and sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> creeping a little bit into your potential customers, uh, you know, lifestyles, yeah. I think those things then eventually get you ready to start doing some original work, throwing down some concepts, uh, you know, doing some pro proof of concept, proof of ideation, um, and then really start to express all of that, uh, you know, the, basically that phase, I would say, is combining the brand story, the narrative, yeah. with everything you've learned about your customers and competitors. And then you can come up with design concepts, right? How many concepts do you usually present uh, to the client? And in what form do you present those concepts? Can you walk us through, like, give us an example of uh, how is it done? Yeah. Um, one thing about, um, one thing, again, that's unique to this industry is, you know, yeah, you're designing for a physical object. And so it has, like, a physicality to it. And there's a shape to the bottle. Like, designing for a round bottle versus a square-based bottle is different because... One has flat faces, the other doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, like how it's going to sit on the shelf. Are they, you know, do they generally put them uh, standing up or do they stack them on their side so you see the bottle cap? There's a lot of things. Um, and also it's something that, I mean, really throughout the entire time that it is being used by the customer, it's being held in someone's hand. So you, you, have, to, you have to keep that in mind at all times the, you know, the fact that somebody's going to be holding this thing in their hand as they drink it. Um, so those things I like to keep in mind. And, you know, to answer your question of how I present this kind of work to the client, I always at least try to um, do a quick mock-up, you know, in Photoshop with like smart objects or something, something that's not going to take too long, but something that shows, you know, does the label curve, you know, where does the label get cut off and, you know, glued or stuff like that. Um, so I think that's very important. And then in terms of how many options, um, you know, how many variations we show, it's that phase, you know, similar to that initial phase of discovering the brand. I, I like to keep this phase also very fluid. Uh, you know, instead of being like, okay, I understand your brand, I understand your customers and your um, competitors, I'm going to go away for a month and then I'll come back with options. Instead of doing that, it's like, hey, I just had this idea. I'm going to sketch it out and show you something tomorrow. 
I also had this other idea that, you know, I saw in like a competitor or something. Let's find some inspiration in that and we can chat about all of these. So it's nice to keep, the, keep it fluid because you avoid doing too much work and running the risk of the, the client saying, yeah, I don't really like this. And then you've already spent like, you know, 20, 30, 40, however many hours. And it's nice because essentially you're taking them on a journey and kind of telling their story back to them. So it's nice to have them there, you know, with you along the way, pretty much consistently. It's like a very collaborative way of working. So to, you know, long story short, the number of options I would normally show is very different from project to project. Um, uh, I would say I normally wouldn't do just one, um, but I'm also aware that, uh, that you know, often you, can, you might find that too many options is also a difficulty for a client. Um, and ideally you don't want, you know, things from one concept and things from the other concept bleeding too much into one another because, you know, especially if they come from different stories, if they're trying to express a different idea, it can start to lose the integrity of that idea itself. So, I don't know, on average, I would say, you know, anywhere between two to four options. But like I said, that whole phase is very collaborative and ongoing. So it really depends. Yeah. And then, and then you present the concept to the client. Mm -hmm. And you guys discuss, you know, and, and uh, as, you, as you already mentioned, you've prepared some, some of the mock-ups yeah. uh, in Photoshop so the client can actually see, you know, how is it going to look like once on the shelf uh, among co competitors and so you can make some decisions, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, in this step, you know, you review the and refine the concepts with, with the client, right? Mm -hmm. And um, is it something that, um, okay, so uh, you present a few concepts and and how how do you uh, how the the project moves forward from that from this point? Uh, moving uh, moving forward, uh, do you just revise those concepts with the client, or is it usually that you know you just let the client select one of those concepts? How is it? Can you just like give us an idea of of the process? Totally. Um, so. The first time the client sees original work, those options, I try to make them different concepts, not like different versions of the same idea, but like a totally different idea altogether. If we go with the lemonade example again, I would say, you know, one concept is like, this is really about how this whole brand stems from your childhood and it's like a very pleasant memory for you. And then the second concept might be, this is about how, you know, you, for you, it's very important that this comes from small and local farms and it's fair trade. So then um, that kind of allows the, or actually forces the client to really pick one of those directions. These are very like overall general directions. And so that first meeting is usually about the client having to make that decision after that, the iterations after, you know, the iterations, um, you know, leading up to the final packaging is really refining the way that one selected concept is represented. So, you know, yeah. ideally your revisions get tactical as they go, they get more and more acute, more and more specific until you're kind of, you know, you're, you're there. Um, you, you've like kind of finalized the visual style.
Yeah, and then you select the winning concept, and then you actually start developing the, all those uh, branding elements, right? Exactly. The and actual files, the deliverables. Exactly, and it's somewhere around there. You know, usually with packaging for beverages, you start with the front face. Um, it's the face that's kind of the most free of all, like government regulation stuff, all like legal statements and stuff like that. So you Those have limitations. the yeah. exactly. So you have the most opportunity to express the brand um, on that front face. So usually you're kind of using that as the guinea pig and trying to sell, you know, a concept to the client. And then once they select it, really iterating on it until you get it. Um, after that is when all of that regula regulatory stuff kicks in. And then the challenge is kind of your own in that you're trying to combine this thing that the client has already grown to love and is really satisfied with and is really happy with. You're now trying to, you know, keep that pure and still very expressive and consistent with the brand values while now designing for government regulations. Um, and that gets you know more and more complicated the more um, cert certifications the beverage has. So like the FDA um, is always gonna be there, you know, if you're doing something that people are gonna ingest. But then if you have USDA organic certification, that's yet another thing. And then you have kosher, and then fair trade, and all of this. So now you're kind of this is maybe a phase where the client is less involved because it's not really up to opinion or you know, values, it's just, you have to do these things. You have no other choice. Um, so then you're kind of, you know, I always like to do research. I mean, this, there's, a, there's a very frustrating and very, very long document that's put out by the FDA every couple of years that tells you about all of these regulations. So I kind of just, you know, jog my memory on that and then um, start basically designing the flat, uh, the flat label on the template, which, you know, based on how it's going to be printed is either going to be shrink wrapped or printed directly on the bottle or, you know, if it's a Tetra pack, it's part of the manufacturing process, things like that. Um, and yeah, and then at the end, you kind of obviously run it by the client one more time. And this phase can kind of take longer than anticipated because all of this has to go back to, you know, these people who have to approve it for the FDA and for all of these regulatory bodies and then come back to you with, um, you know, come back to you with revisions, tell you like, Hey, this actually, this font is actually too small or you're using the wrong type of nutritional information, blah, blah, blah. Um, and at the same time, you're waiting for all of the sales side of things to fall into place, like generating barcodes. Uh, you know, there's a whole like, production and um, shipment side to food and bev that you're, you know, not really a part of, but you're, you're relying on that uh, to complete the project. So this phase kind of just, uh, it, it, you, you kind of can find that you're on your own here and just kind of waiting for other uh, people who you don't really have control over to really approve your work. I see. <clears throat> I see. So it might be time-consuming, time you know, waiting for uh, feedback from uh, different people, right? A little bit. I mean, I, you know, ideally, your project scope ends with the, with the final approval of all creative work for the label. But then, you know, if it takes a month for the client to generate a barcode and get FDA approval, like updating a number on the nutritional information isn't really 
like anything too substantial. So we're always happy to like hop, come, jump back in whenever all of that stuff is ready, update yeah. all the numbers, and then send it to print. I see. I see. That, that's awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing mm -hmm. all those, uh, this information with us and walking us through the process of uh, designing, you know, a packaging, beverage packaging, packaging design. Absolutely, Can you give us yeah. some example of, of the work you've done uh, and uh, how to reach out to you, how to find more about what you do? And uh, perhaps, you know, some of our audience wants, if have a project and, uh, and want to work with you. Oh, that would be great. We'd, we'd, we'd love to. Um, yeah, so currently I'm um, a co-founder and um, creative director at Studio Simpatico. We're uh, based here in New York. Um, our office is in uh, Midtown Manhattan, and we're actually not focused exclusively on beverage packaging or food and beverage packaging. Uh, we're a small um, creative studio. We do um, branding, uh, brand strategy, web design, product design, user experience uh, design, and front-end web development. Um, food and beverage packaging tends to be uh, some of our projects. Um, probably the most well-known uh, thing that I've worked on would be Harmless Harvest um, coconut water, which actually I worked on before Simpatico was founded, actually a very long time ago, back when I was in college. Um, but that kind of is a great example of a project where, you know, everything that we've talked about until now was very, very present uh, from the, you know, first, uh, from the first time the word harmless harvest was said until the coconut water actually hit the shelves. Um, and yeah. like I said, I was very lucky to actually join them very, very early on in their, um, you know, in their uh, timeline and it, right around when the company was created. I mean, we were, we were like mixing our own juices in a blender and tasting them in the office. It was just the four of us. And so having that conversation that leads to your discovery of the brand, it was just an everyday thing. Like every single day, you know, every time I was at the office, it would be talking about these farmers who are harvesting these coconuts and how they, you know, have to be harvested at a certain time to keep their nutrients, all of this stuff. And it's really nice when, I mean, you really can see that the people who founded this company are there in front of you every day and they they actually are very passionate about what they're doing. Um, yeah. It makes our work as designers much easier when the story that they're trying to tell th th through the brand is actually 100% yeah. accurate and true. Um, yeah, you can see it from inside and uh, experience that, right? Exactly, exactly. So, that, I mean, that was super fun. Um, the, the, the little... Uh, the, the little secret that I tell everyone is on the pack, the packaging is basically these two hands holding a coconut and I'm actually not very good at drawing hands. So those are my actual hands. <laughs> I took a photo sure. holding a fishbowl and then traced it. Um, but yeah, like the brand, we wanted to talk about how, it, you know, it was very much about the people who harvest these fruits and it was, you know, as if they were giving this thing to you, uh, the link between, the consumer and the people who grew and harvested these coconuts, we wanted to make sure it was very strong and um, very present. So that eventually led to this idea of having hands. It's almost like somebody's picked this up and is giving it to you. Um, 
And then our competitive analysis actually showed that any coconut water almost always is going to have like palm trees and the beach and umbrellas and this kind of yeah. very summery and fun attitude. So to contrast that, we actually just decided to go with a uh, you know, very white package where the only other color is the green from the coconut. And we thought the high contrast would be nice and would allow the package to stand out from all of the like blue sort of blue and beige sand and beach and sky kind of uh, themes, you know, in all of the other, all of the other competitors out there. Yeah. And it does stand out. It definitely does stand out. It's, it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for uh, taking time to do this podcast. Absolutely, Thank yeah. Much. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. So this is it for today's episode. And make sure to go and check out Sina's website and follow him on social media. And you can find all the links on this episode's page at ebekdesign.com forward slash podcast forward slash five. So thanks for tuning in and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy and design. This was Arek Dvorniczak from eBay Design.